late nights, motorcycles, pills, and danger. In this episode, we follow the tale of a reckless youth with a passion for speed. His adventures lead him into some nasty spills, chrome-plated thrills, and a little boy with ills. Do sounds and imagination have the power to make toy vehicles move? Is it possible that the hero of the story gave his new friend Hantavirus? Would seeing a mouse on a motorcycle be enough to turn someone in for a psychiatric evaluation? One thing is for sure. The life of a mouse is full of dangers that make them grow up quickly. Well, that in their average lifespan of about two years. We're talking about The Mouse and the Motorcycle on Reliterated, the podcast that stays crunchy even in milk. Welcome to Reliterated, the lowbrow book club of three grown-ass men reading the children's books popular in the 1990s, but with 2020s hindsight. Fair warning, we use language too mature for kids, analysis too immature for literary scholars, and ignorance too profound to be inoffensive to everyone. You can interact with us and enjoy all kinds of bonus content by searching Reliterated on Twitter, Instagram, Reddit, or YouTube. Or you can ask us questions, suggest future episodes, or tell us what we've missed by sending us an email at reliterated at gmail.com. Make it a good question and we'll answer it on the show. My name's Andy and I'm a turtle in a tow truck. And with me are my co-hosts. I am Harold, and I am a chipmunk in a Tonka excavator. And I'm Josh, and I'm a buffalo in a bobsled. That is that is an image. <laughs> that is an image. <laughs> <laughs> hey, buffalo you on a, a bobsled. You a good image. So I gave mm-hmm. you one. <laughs> it didn't occur to me right away, and I'm just like imagining it now, leaning as it goes down <laughs> the bobsled <laughs> tube. <laughs> got his helmet on with the little with the uh his horns coming up like curving up around the around the uh helmet right that's what i saw in my head (laughs) now is it just one buffalo or is this the four man bobsled with four buffalo i just imagined the one but oh man that the four is even more hilarious (laughs) oh man a four buffalo bobsled I absolutely went with practicality. I imagined a chipmunk loving having an excavator to dig its little holes and bury its nuts. <laughs> well, this week we are back to book discussions and we are kicking off this next chapter of um, podcast episodes. We're doing all books written by women. And the first one of this uh, this segment of, of our show, we're going to be doing The Mouse and the Motorcycle by Beverly Cleary, published in 1965. Yes, Beverly Cleary was not a piece of shit. She was a wonderful human being. She was a class act. Uh, she was one of America's most successful authors. She had 91 million copies of her books, which have been sold worldwide since she was first published, which was in 1950. So she had a very, very long career. And of course, we know about Ralph S. Mouse, but she also had Ramona Quimby, Beezus Quimby, Henry Huggins, and his dog Risby as well, are also famous book series that she did. Now, do you know if she won the Newbery Award? She did. She you know won what? a Newbery Newbery Medal for. Um, I'm trying to think of it without seeing. I knew which book it was. It's Dear, Dear Mr. Mr. Henshaw. Henshaw. Yes. 
Correct. And yeah, she was active from 1950 to 1999. Wow. I know that when she passed away recently, she was 104 years old. That is quite the life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 18 days from her 105th birthday. Wow. A very storied life indeed. Yeah. She actually, when she was a child, she she didn't actually enjoy reading. She was put into a lower reading skill level until uh, she got a little bit older and was able to overcome that when she was younger. And when she was in school, she would write and her teachers actually suggested that she become a full-time writer for children's when she got older. And so that was actually something that she did end up pursuing. She was a children's librarian in Yakima, Washington, which is where she grew up uh, until 1940. And then she went to the U.S. Army Hospital to work at their library during the war. And then while she was a librarian, she would try to help her help the, the patrons and the kids find books that they could identify with and she actually struggled finding that and that is one of the reasons she decided to become a writer she said i believe in that missionary spirit among children's librarians kids deserve books of literary quality and librarians are so important in encouraging them to read and selecting books that are appropriate and she just had a heart for for kids and literacy and helping kids read that's great i i love her background and uh my mom's a librarian, and it's obviously her story resonates pretty well with me. So, yeah, Beverly Cleary, class act lady. Absolutely. And, I mean, I'm pretty sure that Mouse and the Motorcycle, this book in particular, is one that resonates with a lot of people. I mean, most of us probably saw the movie when we were kids. Um, I don't know if everyone read the book. I can't remember if I read the book, but... Even in reading it now, it, it was a good book. It was fun. It's engaging, and I could see why it would be fun for kids. Uh, in the questions at the back of the book, they actually asked her what her inspiration was for this book, and apparently it was really close to what happened. Her son, They went to visit a hotel. Her son had a fever, and the whole time he was there, he was playing with his toy vehicles on the bed and using the lines on the sheets for roads and then when hmm. when they got back from the hotel her neighbor had caught a mouse and wanted to show her the mouse because she thought it was so cute and all she could imagine was the mouse riding around on her son's toy motorcycle that is a great inspiration for a book yeah absolutely obviously <laughs> one other thing i wanted to note was that she had she won so many awards and she you know she's been known as this great thing but the thing the awards that she like the most were the awards that were voted for by the children, by the people who read her books. Those are the ones that she actually cared the most about. They're like these little statewide uh, awards, but those are the ones she liked because those are the ones that children were voting for. So I just thought that was a fun little note that yeah. they put on here. So I love that. It fits with her yeah. character for sure. Yeah. She's all about the kids and I just think that's, that's great. So yep. Wonderful woman. Uh, long career, and yeah, I, I think that uh, we're better for it. Indeed. I do remember reading the book as a kid as well as seeing the movie with the uh, the stop-motion animation mice in it. Some of the scenes uh, still I can still picture in my head uh, as, as I was reading the book again, envisioning uh, just the, uh, the movie that, uh, that I watched way back when. I'll have to dig that up on 
YouTube, hopefully it's uh it's up there somewhere. I'm sure it is. YouTube has everything. It's actually on Amazon. I know that for a oh, fact. Oh, is it? Because oh, nice. I watched it because I wanted to watch it again. It was oh, did it was you good. did you watch it ahead of this uh this podcast recording? Yes, I did. I watched it uh, earlier this week. I watched it because it's actually a really short movie. The movie itself is not very long, but it's is it on Prime? It's on Prime. Yes. Oh, good. Cool. All right. Don't have to pay anything extra for it. Ha <laughs> ha. So yeah, go ahead and watch it. Uh, I I read the book when I was young. I remember reading it and. I think I read it more than once because I, I enjoyed it. At the time, I was very into motorcycles and mm. wanting to drive vehicles and things like that. It is an easy, fun read. So, yeah, I can imagine that I would have read it multiple times as well. So, yeah, and that going back and watching the movie, it's, well... um, D- Does it hold up? <laughs> uh, I'll make, let you make your decision on that. I still okay. enjoyed it. I still enjoyed it, but it was not exactly as I remembered it. Hmm. I I could still watch it again, but it definitely okay. shows its its age. It, it definitely you can tell it was made in the eighties for sure. <laughs> Maybe it can be a discussion point on our chapter two talk show. Oh, for yeah, sure. And and I mean, realistically, there's got to be some expectation when we're looking back at old movies like that. I mean, some people are really into watching old black and white movies. I cannot mm-hmm. stand them. You know, someone will bring up some movie to be like, oh, have you ever seen this movie with Marilyn Monroe or this movie with so-and-so? Oh, it's one of my favorites. And we'll start watching it. And I'm like, I just. Catherine Hepburn is my idol. Oh, yeah. And I'll be watching it. And I'm like, this is offensive to my brain. I don't want to watch it. I can't watch it. (laughs) And mainly it's just because I don't relate to anything going on there. But. Mouse on the Motorcycle, I think, would be a little bit more relatable, seeing as though it was made in the 80s. I have clear memories of certain scenes as well from the movie. So this book, though, begins with a boy and his mother and father uh, pulling into a hotel called the Mountain View Inn, which happens to be where Ralph and his family reside, Ralph being the titular mouse. Just a beat-up old hotel in the middle of nowhere that's what, like several miles away from the well-trafficked uh, interstate? Yeah, it takes place actually kind of where I near where I live because it's in the Sierra Valley foothills, and I'm I live in the Sierra Nevada Valley because really? that's where Sacramento is. And uh-huh. if you look at the actual highway, it says Highway 40, and they they're talk at one point they talk about how they might bring this hotel, they might have to tear down the hotel. Because they might be putting in this new this new road. That road is mm-hmm. probably Interstate 80, which goes all the way from California all the way clear across the country. I, I used Interstate 80 when I moved out here. So mm. I, I believe that is definitely the road that they were talking about when they come when they talk about that. So RIP Mountain View in. Yeah, it's probably long gone at this point. It, it's probably sure. demolished. The mice all scattered to the winds. I mean, at this point, Ralph's dead. Let's be real. <laughs> 1965. Yeah. 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 He's long dead. So they're helped up to their room uh, by a bellboy named Matt, who's 60 years old, worked for the hotel most of his life, as they say it. And this kid is pretty excited about being there. But mom and dad, they're just tired of being on the road. Uh, dad's been driving through the sun for hours and hours, and he doesn't want to drive a single mile further. I will admit uh, drivers in California are very aggressive uh, when they are driving, 
and uh, they are not also not great at driving. So I could definitely, <laughs> when they were like, that truck almost ran me off the road. I was like, yeah, that sounds typical. Yeah, I could believe that. <laughs> and there's a fucking lot of drivers out there too, huh? Right. Well, and I believe that because when you go just down to Lansing here in Michigan, uh, Lansing or Detroit, the drivers in those bigger cities here are, it's as if they don't live in Michigan or something. They're from somewhere oh, else because it is. I hate how people drive around Detroit. Oh, it's terrible. On the freeways. Uh yeah, defensive driving my ass. It's offensive driving. <laughs> yeah, I'm offended. Yeah, right. <laughs> I don't know how people get around that city. <laughs> but I guess it, it takes it takes living there to get used to it. But man, just even in gridlock traffic, people are going above the speed limit, weaving in and out, and just anxiety, white knuckle <laughs> grip in the steering wheel, just trying to get to where I'm going. Yeah, I just want to be there. I don't want to be here anymore. <laughs> Where can I pay 30 bucks to park this thing so I'm not driving anymore? <laughs> right. <laughs> Seems like it wasn't even $30 to stay at that end. I mean, they're paying Matt with coins. It's like, seriously? Well, it is 1965, <laughs> though. Coins were coins were more valuable back then. This is Yeah, that's true. This was at a time uh, when, when the dollar was actually worth something and, you know, being paid a little bit was enough to get yourself by. And now we make essentially just a little bit more than that wage and everything is 10 times as expensive. So now when they get there, uh, mom is positive that there's mice in this hotel because it's a really old hotel. It's not anything new all the new ones were taken up this is a holiday weekend that they've pulled in at this hotel so they're they're knowing they're gonna have to stay there for a little while they're not gonna be making it anywhere else for a minute yeah i totally relate to the dad yeah i totally <laughs> yeah. way absolutely uh, i did not want to be driving around there's so many people i'm staying at this remote hotel for a few days just to get my sanity back for sure <laughs> so I think the parents are pretty realistically uh, characterized here. Yeah, I agree. But I feel like Mrs. Gridley is almost a little bit stuck up. Like she feels like she's too good for this this little hotel, this kind of rundown hotel. Uh, Lady, you're from Ohio. Yeah. So, (laughs) yeah. Yeah, your entire state is a shit show. Yeah, let's be real. People from Ohio don't have any right to complain about anything. Yeah, this is Buckingham Palace as far as you're concerned. Right. And, you know, they got the good room. They got the twin beds, you know, and uh, so there better not be oh, any yeah. fucking going on right now. <laughs> right. <laughs> Don't you put those not, beds not together. Not in this hotel. Mm-mm. <laughs> Mm-mm. I mean, I think it was cool how the kid got his own room. I'm like, damn, I never remember going to a hotel and getting my own room. It was always right? sharing a room. I, that was pretty neat. So she is worried about mice and she is right to be worried. There are definitely mice here. Uh, there's a family of mice that has lived there for generations, actually. Keith, the young boy, he is kind of cool with the idea of mice. I mean, I can imagine you would be when you're a kid. I know that if I saw mice now, I'd be like, oh, need to get rid of them. But if I was a kid and I saw a mouse, I'd be like, holy crap, there's a mouse. It's awesome. It's it's a little friend to play with. Yep. <laughs> Which the the book has like an interesting way that it does it with the with the mice where kind of like Charlotte's Web where uh, Fern could understand the animals. Keith is able to actually talk with the mouse when he meets Mm -hmm. him. Uh, It's they are able to speak the same language, essentially, like kids listen harder or something. Right. 
And later on, we find out that Matt, the old uh, employee at the hotel, can understand him too. Yeah. And speak with him. Like he never lost that. We'll touch on that a little bit later. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think he just listens hard enough. You know, he's a little older. He can take the time to listen. And right. so he's able to, he's able to hear. I don't know if it's a matter of being older as much as it is like you never lose your, your youthful spirit and you're, uh, you're still able to commune with with all the little all the little friends. Well, it did say that he was occasionally had to stop children from hitting hitting each other with a croquet mallet. So he's definitely got that kid spirit in him still. <laughs> right. So <laughs> Uh, so the kids are hitting each other and he has to stop them with the mallets? Yeah, he has to stop them with the croquet mallets. That sounds reasonable. <laughs> he, he, picks up, he picks up a mallet and threatens the kids to stop hitting each other. You better fucking stop it now! I'm going to tell oh, my mom! Stop. Not if you got a broken job, bitch! <laughs> Go ahead and tell your mom. I don't care. I'll kick you out of my hotel. Yeah. <laughs> So there's a there's a knot hole in Keith's room. He pokes his finger in it, not thinking anything of it, you know. And uh, when he opens a suitcase, the first things he pulls out are an apple and then some cars and a red motorcycle. He puts it all down on his bedspread and he eats the apple and starts uh, starts messing around with the cars. And he makes specific noises for each of the vehicles. There was a vroom vroom for the sports car, a wee wee for the ambulance, and a for the motorcycle. I that's quite good. Yeah, <laughs> I was gonna say let's all try to do our own uh, motorcycle sounds. How did the sound play out in your head? So like for me it was like it was like because in my head that's what it sounds like. Mm. So. That's a lot of V's though. They spelled it out. P B dash P B dash B B B. It's like yeah, a puttering sound. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, it's, you the, gotta it's tr- the lips. You got to vibrate the lips. Yep. Yeah, that's what it is. <laughs> We're just going to spend this whole episode <laughs> making sounds. I'm not going to do it because it makes my lips feel funny. <laughs> I like the oh, way yeah, it makes my feel lips funny. feel. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I might use that as a new move. <laughs> <laughs> hey honey want to try something yeah i got an idea baby <laughs> what are you doing driving a motorcycle i call this the motorcycle <laughs> anyways sound effects for for making vehicles go yep all of this is being watched by a curious little mouse named ralph He's hearing them drive around the cars, and he's excited because there's a kid in this room. And anytime there's kids in the room, it means that there's more crumbs or pieces of food that they the family can find and eat. So he doesn't like the fact that it's an older boy, though, because younger kids are more likely to drop crumbs, whereas older kids tend to know how to use the wastebasket and clean up after themselves. He even describes it as them not being considerate enough to leave crumbs on the floor. <laughs> but where the, what lacked in quantity, there was quality. Because he always said, he said that they could always find like a wrapper, a candy wrapper on the floor, or, or in this case, an apple core. Yes, an apple core that ended up into the wastebasket, but they were all upset because the wastebasket is a danger zone for mice. You can't get in there and then get out. Yeah, who who was it that uh, was ended by the, oh, Uncle Vic, was it Uncle Victor that jumped into the 
Yeah, it was one of the one of the uncles, Uncle Victor or something that fell into the wastebasket and got caught by the housekeeping. Yep, Uncle Victor uh, was emptied into an incinerator. Ooh, man, that's a way to go. Met his end. If these mice live in <laughs> constant danger, like what a what an existence. You live in a place where you have a roof over your head, but there's so many dangers just lurking around and you can't live outside because there's owls. Right. That's their motivation for staying inside. Like the food is not exactly plentiful in the hotel and it's getting more scarce because there's fewer people staying than you used to be, but they still don't feel safe and living out in nature because of the owls. Which is a good, good fear to have for a mouse. <laughs> It'd be terrifying. Right. However, you you know, you keep your, your burrows intact and uh, you stay underground as, as good as you can. You can probably survive outside fairly well. You change it up. do it all the time. Run around yeah. in the day instead of the night. Well, then again, then there's hawks. Yeah. <laughs> there's all kinds of things. Yeah, yeah. But they have the, the relative comfort and security of living inside the hotel. It's got its own dangers, but you know, it's fairly decent living, I would think, yeah. for a mouse. Yeah. Uh, Ralph is extremely stuck on the motorcycle, though. He's he's not so worried about the food. I mean, he wants food, but this motorcycle has caught his attention, and it is something that is making him forget how hungry he is. And he's daydreaming about adventure and freedom and the, the wind in his whiskers. This is his I want moment, his, uh, where we're exposed to the things that he dreams about, things that he strives for. And we also learn about some of those dangers that they come across. Uh, they mention that uh, Ralph's father tried to carry an aspirin tablet back to the mouse hole in his cheek, and it dissolved and ended up poisoning him. So aspirin is poisonous to mice, something that they can't have, which will matter later. Mm-hmm. The reason why it's poisonous, uh, I found out that a single dose of bare extra strength aspirin contains 500 milligrams of, I'm just going to spell this word, A-C-E-T-Y-L-S-A-L-I-C-Y-L-I-C acid, which is enough to kill an average size rat. It's acetosilic acid. Acetosilic acid. Acetosilic acid. You don't remember in Ghostbusters when, uh, (laughs) oh man, now I can't remember his name. Uh, Rick Moranis' character is telling everybody that instead of instead of buying aspirin, he just gets the generic acetosilicilic acid, whatever. (laughs) Now I can't say it. Right. uh, Because he saves money on it. I'll never forget. I remember (laughs) it now because he trapped himself out of his own apartment. But (laughs) when I was reading it, no. God, why can't I remember his name either? I had the movie on like just last week. Yeah. All of a sudden I can't remember his character's name. The the key master. Yep. <laughs> Rick Moranis. I know people listening to this podcast right now are screaming at us. It's yeah, the... oh my God, it's it's this name. <laughs> <laughs> and I hate that because I can't tell you. I would say out of all the movies I've seen, I know that there were about two summers where I watched Ghostbusters at least once per day. So there's no reason I should be forgetting this name right now. Uh, Lewis. Lewis. Lewis Tully. Lewis, Lewis Tully. Yes, Lewis yeah. Tully. Lewis Tully. I could remember the Tully part. I couldn't remember yep. the Lewis, and I was like, I don't want to say it until I got the full name. Yep. <laughs> Lewis Tully. Okay. We got there. We, we got did there, it. Everybody. We managed. <laughs> it took a quick Bing search, but we got it. Bing it. <laughs> you bing it. You got to bing it. <laughs> you get the Microsoft rewards. 
So Ralph does end up not paying attention to what his mother says. He climbs up the telephone line. He gets up on the the dresser after the kid has left the room with his parents. They're going out to explore the area. And he starts molesting this motorcycle. He is (laughs) running his hands along it, and he's just imagining it, and he gets on it. and he, He can't figure out how to get it to go, though. Um, rubbing his hands up on them curves, mm-hmm. feeling and the shaft. He takes a moment to finally start rolling it with his feet, you know, kind of like how you'd move a move a bike by stepping on the ground. And yeah, that clutch. loses his balance, and him and the motorcycle tumble right into the metal wastebasket. Oh, uh, no, just like Uncle Victor. Just like Uncle Victor. There is no way for him to get out because it's a cleaned out wastebasket. The only other thing in there is an apple core. Yeah, and if it had a bag in it, you could probably use the bag to climb up. But uh, nope, just a just a metal bin, nothing to grab onto. And I noticed at this part of the book, just because I'm an adult, now I'm noticing it. I was like, this book has a little bit of filler in it. Because I, I checked, there was four pages just about being stuck in the wastebasket. Yeah, there's a lot of filler to it. Yeah, I was just like, there's a lot. He ends up eating some of the, the apple. Um, he falls back to sleep. Keith comes in and notices him in there. And luckily, Keith is not in a hurry to try and kill him or or anything like that. He actually is glad that the mouse is in there. But as a boy might do, he doesn't immediately let Ralph out of there. He has caught a mouse. And of course, he doesn't want his mom to find it, but he isn't just going to tip him right out and and let him go. So Ralph is kind of being indignant with him about this. Like, come on, dude, let me out. The kid's like, hold on a second. Wait, I'm going to keep talking to you. This is fun. Yeah, he's got a captive audience. He was uh, daydreaming about meeting a mouse and making friends with with mice earlier. And a mouse can't run away, so he can... Now he can talk to one. And if I found a small animal talking to me all of a sudden, I'd be like, no, don't run away. I want <laughs> this is this is pretty cool. This is crazy. This is insanity. <laughs> <laughs> but if a mouse was talking to me the way Ralph was talking, I don't know if I'd want to be friends with him. He's kind of a dick. He calls <laughs> Keith stupid and Keith is just trying to be a nice and he's like, hey, I got a new friend. And Ralph's like, I'm not your friend. I don't even like you. This sucks. I'm just yeah. not drunk, he said. <laughs> so, I don't like you. I just want your motorcycle. Well, right, but I mean, he's scared. He's stuck in a wastebasket. He just wants to get out. I mean, it, this this part gave me it's anxiety. It's a high-stress situation. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, reading this gave me anxiety. I mean, you call it filler. I call it if it didn't have these pages, this wouldn't be a book. It would just be a short <laughs> children's story. Short story. Yeah, yeah. Right. So, I mean, you, I mean, it has to have this stuff. We need some time to uh, to get in the mindset of this little mouse because he lost a relative to this very fate. Right, absolutely. You know? But he does eventually get let out of the wastebasket, and Keith is even willing to let him ride the motorcycle around, and he gives him the secret code, which is making the <laughs> sound. <laughs> and so Ralph gets on it, and he goes to take off, and it goes a little faster than he expected, and... He starts to get the hang of it, and he starts cruising around, and at this point, it's getting kind of late at night, and Keith has got to go to bed, and Ralph just 
really wants to ride the motorcycle out in the hallway where he can really, really kick it into gear, get some speed up. And since everybody's going to be asleep, you know, can't hurt anyone. So yeah, he, uh, Keith finally thinks it's okay. He's, he's down with letting him do that. Keith envies, uh, Ralph for being able to actually ride the motorcycle. Right. Cause he's got to be an adult before he can ride one. And even then he thinks his mom won't let him. Mm-hmm. And here's this little mouse riding his uh, his toy motorcycle right now. Right. <laughs> Which is cool. I mean, it would be cool to just be able to jump on. <laughs> the idea that he's jumping onto a fake motorcycle that clearly has no motor and all he has to do is make noise and this <laughs> thing drives around. I mean, that's that's pretty sweet. <laughs> right. This is what's bothering me. Um because where does the magic come from? Like this is this is magic, right? This is a this toy, it's detailed and intricate enough that it has like working handbrakes and the engine and everything. So it's it's a working vehicle. But Keith knows how to make it run. And then by extension, Ralph can make it run. And not just that, but later on the toy ambulance. Right. And so is this like a I don't know. It's either the toys are magic, these specific toys, or like they have a magic ability to make these toys run with their imagination or something. Yeah, it's like the power of imagination or the power of belief. (laughs) I believe this is going to work, so it does. What I think it is, is it's the magic of the sounds because they use magic and they're able to talk to each other, even though they're a different species. And he's able to use the sound to make the motorcycle go. So I, be- I I think it's the sound. The magic's in the sound. But that's yeah. just my theory. Yeah, I mean, the the sound definitely creates the the movement of the motorcycle. But it's I think it's more just the magic of the imagination of the motorcycle being ridden by this mouse. I think it's just supposed to be the power of imagination. Yeah, because it does transfer to other vehicles. Yep. But he has to make the to be, sound. They do in have order to be specific to, sounds. Yes, you're. That's you're why right. I think I think it's the magic of the sound. Well, I'll go out and I'll try that on my motorcycle later. Okay. <laughs> See if I can save Here's, on gas. All right. Let's get in my get in my van and go. So but I gotta make that. I, pull I gotta make that clunking noise every so often, though. I pull every up to bump. A, some <laughs> intersection, and I'm just like, <laughs> people are looking at me like, "What the fuck is going on here?" And then just go. You just look over with a smug look on your face, little little cocky salute, and <laughs> right on. <laughs> It reminds me of that South Park episode where all the bikers were like, they're just sitting at the library and they're like, rum, 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 <laughs> the whole time. So I wonder if you could like go to the Air and Space Museum, climb Ooh. in like a, a fighter jet. <laughs> oh man, when just I was at steal NASA, a fighter I jet. Gotten, I should have gotten to the space shuttle when I was at NASA. Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah. <laughs> this whole podcast is just <laughs> degraded into a whole set of loud vehicle noises. And we apologize. <laughs> I, was I am noises. sorry, dear listeners. <laughs> You're going to get a lot more of this but before this episode is done. But uh, I apologize in advance, but sorry, not sorry. Right. That's the ma- it's necessary for the magic to happen. It has to go like this. <laughs> this is the way. So that first night, though, Ralph rides around on the motorcycle. He goes all over the halls. He considers going downstairs, but he knows he can't go down the stairs. Um, he's afraid of using the elevator. He wakes up a terrier in one of the rooms, and the owner takes the dog outside. And I think uh, he does actually get in the elevator at this point and ride it downstairs and hide behind an ashtray. No, he no, he hid behind the, the ashtray. Floor. He hid behind the ashtray on the second floor. Correct. Yeah, he's not. He's never gone to the ground floor. It's this mythical place, this right. magical place that he's never been to because he's not old enough to go downstairs yet. Yeah, His mom it's doesn't. Far too dangerous for him. a little mouse. Yep. But there's a lot of good imagery here with the smells because they talk about the cinnamon buns and things like that that waft up from from the ground floor and mm. he's just i've never been there i've never never been there because he's still a kid and he's not allowed yet i find it funny that he drives by his aunt sissy and is he's just like uh she's probably jealous my guess is that she's like what the fuck Did you see my uh nephew on a motorcycle <laughs> <laughs> yep <laughs> flying by this is weird <laughs> Uh, he does end up uh, riding all night long. He never takes the car back or the bike back in time, and the wind blew closed the door to room two fifteen, which is where Keith was staying. So now he's stuck outside, and he's trying to pound on the door with his little mouse fist, but there's just no way Keith's gonna hear him, and he is discovered at this moment. But who discovers him? It is Matt, the bellboy, who we find out can also talk to mice. Yep, Matt is one of those magic adults in the children's tales that uh, they speak the language of kids and they speak the language of of talking animals. Or he's a metahuman. Or he's a metahuman. He could be. But he kind of reminds me of the uh, the old man from the beginning of James and the Giant Peach, where he's just just an old guy with a twinkle in his eye and in cahoots with the uh, the main character so to speak, or sets off their adventure or, or whatever. But I don't think, does Matt appear in the book after this point when he lets Ralph back in? He does. Oh, he, yeah. He appears yeah, later. He, he appears at the end. He's the one that finds yep. the motorcycle. Yeah. Oh, right. Yeah, he does come back and, okay. Yeah, and I mean, he even goes on to say, uh, mention that, you know, why would he take the time to get rid of mice when other mice are just going to move in and these mice seem nice enough, so... He's friend to mice. Yeah, you're just always going to be killing mice, so who cares? Why don't we just let the ones that that have lived here for generations live here? Mm-hmm. He seems to have some pull at this hotel, too. Like, I don't know. If he's not the owner, then he's, I don't know, maybe it's his family's establishment. It does say know. that he's been there forever, it seems like. Yeah. And he seems like the kind of the everyman around. He does, uh, he's a handyman. He does a bellboy. He does, he, you know, wears lots of hats. So it's very possible mm-hmm. that it is his <laughs> He attacks kids with croquet mallets. <laughs> yeah, he attacks kids well, with croquet mallets. He stops mallets. them from attacking each other, but I can see him using one to stop them both. It's like, you must defeat me. 
I challenge you to trial by combat. (laughs) (laughs) This actually brings up a funny point where uh, Ralph finally gets let back into the let back into the room and he uh, drives past just as mom opens the door and walks into Keith's room and she starts screaming that there was a mouse driving a motorcycle across the room, which has everybody basically. Oh, mom. Yeah. Keith knows that it's true, but dad is definitely like, what the hell are you talking about? (laughs) I think we were driving too long. Yeah, my mother is is just as uh, petrified of mice as this woman is. So I could definitely see her like, no, I saw it. It was on a motorcycle. I'm not lying. It was. It definitely was on a motorcycle. <laughs> <laughs> sure it was. Cuckoo. <laughs> yeah. my, mo- my mom's really terrible about mice too. I mean, I'm not necessarily terrified of mice, but I know that a couple of years ago when we had that super cold winter here, we I was going to the bathroom one night and I looked down and I... I'm like, what the hell? And there was a mouse on the bathroom floor. And I'm like, ah, Ah. and I, you don't want them in your house, you know? So I Mm -hmm. immediately, I actually woke Shiloh up. It was like one 30 in the morning. And I'm like, I, if, if you come out and I'm not here, it's because I went to Myers. I'm getting mouse traps and I, one 30 in the morning went to Myers, bought a bunch of mouse traps and put them all over the house and took care of it. We didn't, I got rid of them, but yeah, it's not something you want in your house. I mean, there's a lot of reasons not to want mice. They carry disease. They poop all over. They get into places, chew up wires. You, you definitely don't you, want them. You lose your motorcycles. Yeah, you lose your motorcycles. They drive your your toys around. I mean, imagine if it, <laughs> imagine if a mouse is in your house and it gets a hold of a GI Joe gun. You know, <gasps> that's dangerous right? for everybody. If it knows how to make the sound of a GI Joe gun, you could potentially get hurt. Yeah, for sure. I don't know what those bullets <laughs> yeah, like, could do. do. They're real small. Become, do guns become like real and working <laughs> weapons too in the hands of a, a magic mouse? What if he gets a hold of like a GI Joe missile launcher? Oh my gosh! I mean, maybe a, a yeah, maybe a gun wouldn't be so bad. But if he gets a hold of a missile launcher, or one of the GI <laughs> Joe vehicles. I mean, I had some pretty cool GI Joe vehicles that had quite a few rockets on them. Right, sets up camp in like your GI Joe headquarters playset and starts <laughs> like launches a nuclear strike or something. That could be the end of us all. If there's anyone under thirty something listening to this, they're like, "What the fuck is a GI Joe?" <laughs> <laughs> Essentially, the only entertainment I had as a kid is what they are. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> So anyways, that is a close call for Ralph. Yep. And uh, Ralph ends up hiding the motorcycle under the bed, and then he is able to sneak back to the knot hole that Keith had stuck his finger through. And after they calm mom down and assure her there was not a mouse, in fact, riding a motorcycle around, she tells everybody to get ready for breakfast, and Keith wants to bring him some breakfast. And he asks where Ralph lives, and he says he lives in the mouse hole. And Keith laughs. He says, no kidding, Keith laughed. That's the hole I poked my finger in last night. And Ralph says, I'll say you did. Scared the shit out of me. I know. No, (laughs) No, no, he didn't say that. But (laughs) scared the ever-living shit out of me. And I was amazed about that because it's a children's book. (laughs) (laughs) But, yeah, he requests a peanut butter sandwich for breakfast. 
And Ralph's mom just does not believe that this is the case. She she has no way of believing that this kid is going to bring a sandwich back and bring them room service because mice don't get room service. I found it funny because they were talking about Ralph's father at this point, And I was like, oh, he's using idioms just like people use because they use the um, not every mouse is timid. Just because they say that we are, it doesn't mean it. And I was just like, that's interesting that, you know, mice use the same type of language as us as well. Yeah, it's almost as if it was written by a human. Yeah, it's weird. <laughs> <laughs> also, I think on, on that note, I'm not sure where it is, but uh, they they talk about the, the dust mice underneath uh, Keith's bed and uh, Ralph takes it as a slur. Yeah. Yeah. yeah but then later on, for sure. he uses that. As the term. So I was just like, why were you offended? (laughs) (laughs) But outside of this book, I mean, I've only heard them referred to as dust bunnies, not dust mice. Yeah, I've never heard dust mice before. It might have been an older saying, but it doesn't seem like it. I mean, we're we're fairly old at this point. 1965 isn't too far gone from when we were born, you know, 20 years. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's more regional. Yeah, it could be. Could be. Like, we say pop, but when I'm out here and I say pop, people are like, what? And I, then I have to say soda, because then they understand what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah, and then you're like... You mean, like, soda, man? Get on the fucking internet. Everybody knows that we call it pop over here. <laughs> Just like we know <laughs> yeah. you call it soda. Don't pretend like you don't fucking know. <laughs> yeah. I've been to restaurants. I'm like, what kind of pop do you have? They're like, what? <laughs> I'm like, soda. What you kind know of soda what do you I'm have? talking about. I honestly don't think the younger ones do. I honestly don't. Maybe they Kids. don't, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. I don't okay. live there. Ralph is feeling like he's getting old, though. He's getting too old to be hanging out or at home and stuff. And Mom is getting upset because he's associating with a kid. Again, she doesn't believe that this peanut butter sandwich is coming. Ralph is like, Mom, I'm growing up. I'm going to start growing to the ground floor. And I found it funny she warns him that there could be mouse traps, cats, or poison. But as far as cats go, why wouldn't there be cats on the second floor? Because from what I know about cats, they go wherever the fuck they want to go. <laughs> Especially if you don't want them there. Especially if you don't want them there. You, Everyone has heard but may not realize that they're hearing my cat purring because he really likes to come right next to the mic as soon as I start recording. <laughs> <laughs> they know the most inconvenient places to be. Yep. It's almost impossible to stop him. But mouse traps and poison, I mean, you'd think they'd put that on the second floor too, but and maybe not. Maybe they think that mice are only on the first floor. She's warning them about owls, and as they're sitting there going on, arguing back and forth, uh, Keith walks back in the room and whispers into the hole and starts shoving pieces of peanut butter sandwich in there, which Mom is now like, whoa, uh, sweet. (laughs) (laughs) This is the best thing ever. Right? Yeah, but... Just before this, she was talking, uh, Ralph's mom is basically just being the mom, every mom. She doesn't want him to hang out with the wrong friends. Oh, oh, is Keith a bad kid because he's a human? Right. Are you prejudiced (laughs) against humans? Man. Well, humans do have the power to to end them on a whim, so I'd be kind of resentful of them too. And yeah, I'd be pretty prejudiced against that, I think. If, if, If one type of thing was constantly killing trying to kill you yeah yeah weird i would would be pretty Mm. resentful of that yeah if certain things were killing 
a thing all the time, it seems like it'd be a problem that we should have addressed. Right, yeah. Yeah, hmm. just these these creatures Weird. with the ability to end your life at a moment's notice and get away with it. Yeah, strange. Mm. Yeah. Pause up, don't trap. <laughs> <laughs> so... <clears throat> So basically, they they start this concept where as long as Keith is there, he's going to be bringing food to the mouse hole. And mom actually starts talking about how we need to tip room service. Like, we can't just be letting him bring us food without tipping him, which I thought was oh, funny. Uh, their concept, their understanding of what's going on. A note about the sandwich, though. Like, Ralph had asked for a peanut butter sandwich, but Keith came back with a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. And Ralph's mom noted it even has butter in it. Have you ever made a peanut butter and jelly sandwich on buttered bread? Yeah. Oh, hell yeah. That's the only way to make it. Yeah, dude. Really? Oh, fuck I don't know yeah. that was that was a thing. I'm going to try that. Oh, what? man. Yeah, no, that's definitely good. Huh. Andy, here's the trick. You toast yeah. it. Toast it, put melted butter on. That way it uh-huh. melts into the bread. Then you put on the stuff. Oh. That's just breakfast toast. No, if you can eat without toasted. It's really good for to have like peanut butter, toasted. butter. And jelly. It's it's definitely good. When I was a kid, my grandparents, they would have jelly, but they would make me a peanut butter and butter sandwich. And I mean, oh, we they had were those good. too. Yeah, they mm-hmm. were good, but it was never as good as peanut butter and jelly. I don't know what they were so mm. stingy about the jelly for. I remember okay. requesting peanut butter and butter sandwiches. I like them. Mm. So yeah, they're they're not bad. Usually when I make PB and J though, I'm like just looking for a quick snack, a quick sandwich. So I just slap the peanut butter on there, slap the jelly on, and get to munching. But I will have to take that extra step of buttering my bread first. Yeah, it's that good. Sounds pretty good. It is good. Nice. Okay, gourmet snacks here on Reliterated. <laughs> You can tell we are from the upper echelon of society. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yes. Well, so mom has, uh, Keith's mom, Mrs. Gridley, has let the housekeeping know that she spotted a mouse. And so the head housekeeper is on high alert and she is basically coming down on the maids because they they haven't been cleaning under the beds and they, they just haven't been doing a good enough job to keep mice out of there. And at the same time, Ralph... He is obsessing over the motorcycle, and even though he promised Keith that he would only ride it at night, he came out and went under the bed to just look at it, just sit on it. He didn't want to ride it. I mean, you know how it is. You you go out, you just look at it, and you're just, oh, it's it's cool. I'm not going to touch it, though. I'm not going to do nothing. You know that's <laughs> always a bad move, though. So the motorcycle is under the bed... Why again? Was Be- it cause- so that Ralph could access it, so that Ralph could look at it. I mean, Keith agreed to let him <clears throat> to let him look at the motorcycle and play with it, but he just couldn't drive it. Got it. Okay. Yep. Because, yeah, the motorcycle is there under the bed when the maid is coming in, and Ralph becomes afraid that the maid is going to suck up the, the motorcycle with the vacuum cleaner. Yep. Well, that's his excuse, at least. Right, because I don't think any vacuum attachment is going to suck up a toy motorcycle big enough for, I don't know, I guess it depends on the size of the motorcycle, but right, oh, maybe like the vacuum a- attachments I'm used to aren't going to really suck up a toy like that and you don't notice. Right, maybe like a craftsman shop vac, but not, <laughs> you know, not a regular vacuum you'd be using in a hotel. Mm-hmm. See, I, I thought because it was a hotel, they would have an industrial style vacuum in order to do a better job of the cleaning. So I thought it might actually have more power to it. It might have more power, but the tube is still only going to be like an inch to an inch and a half wide. 
No, that's true. You know, I mean, it's like I'm saying, when I think of a shop vac, I'm thinking that that thing's got like an almost three inch wide hose. Oh, yeah, that thing's huge. Yeah. But as she's going around, uh, she starts to vacuum and she ends up sticking the vacuum hose under the under the bed and it is just about to suck Ralph right into the vacuum. But he was able well, to grab onto even, the motorcycle. It's because she's not paying attention. She stops paying attention at first. She's she stops using paying it. attention. Yeah. Yep. And then she lets go of it and just leaves it running while she sings in the mirror to herself. An old Irish song about marriage. <laughs> it's called "Paper of Pins," and I listened to it. It's a very interesting listen. Oh, you looked it up. I'll, I'll post it on. Uh, I'll, po- I'll put it up on the Reddit so you can hear it. But I, I think it's funny because they keep bringing up this housekeeper and how she keeps meeting up with this boy. All the time. So you do realize what's happening, right? And one of the best boys. Summer, yeah, it's a summer fling. That mm-hmm. maid is fucking... <laughs> yeah, she is. So she yeah, is. that's what she's thinking about. She's not thinking about cleaning up anything. She's, she's thinking about getting dirty. She's busy getting dirty. <laughs> <laughs> this actually had, in my version of it, I don't know what you guys have, but this had a pretty good illustration of Ralph holding on to the back of the motorcycle being sucked into the vacuum tube. Yeah, I have the same one. Yep. And he ends up pulling himself up onto it, and the only way to get away is to... He had to make the sound. He had to drive the motorcycle. It was he, for science, right? Harold. For <laughs> yeah, science. The way he rationalizes it is he wants to make sure that the engine is powerful enough to withstand the suction of uh, from a vacuum cleaner. It makes sense. Which was more powerful? He because he was horned up by the by the power of the vacuum engine too. Remember, he was scared, but he was just like he was <clears throat> he was kind of turned on by it. He was like, "This is this is pretty powerful. I like this." So <laughs> yeah, this, this mouth is that's why he had to. Head. Yeah, he had to try. He had to figure out which was more powerful: the vacuum, the vacuum, or <laughs> the vacuum, the motorcycle. <laughs> Which I think it, it would be a better reasoning with Keith to say I was trying to save the motorcycle from being sucked in by the vacuum, which would be the truth, and not sound like a lame excuse. Right. It was an experiment. Yeah, that sounds like <laughs> an excuse. <laughs> I was doing science. No. The maid was distracted, was about to suck up the motorcycle. I had to move it or else she'd get it. That was the truth, and that would be totally excusable. Yeah, absolutely sensible. But kids don't always think that uh, think that sensibly. No, even uh, today, uh, Bruce tells me, he's like, Dad, I need my backpack. And I'm like, why? And he goes, well, you know my three Lego guys? And I'm like, yeah. And he goes, they're they're in my backpack. And I'm like, well, you're not supposed to take toys to school. How do they get in there? And he goes, they accidentally fell in there. And I had to explain to him after a minute. I'm like, so you realize that doesn't make sense to me. And I'm like, and I'm not upset that you necessarily took them to school because you didn't play with them at school. I know you didn't get in trouble. I'm like, what I'm upset about is that you're lying to me. And he's just staring <laughs> at me with his mouth pursed, like shaking his head up and down. Like, okay, I'm hearing you. <laughs> like you're, right. Your excuse is not very logical, buddy. Oh, <laughs> uh, man, the things kids come up with to... Try to sneak their way out of trouble. Yep. I use it as opportunities to show them that people aren't so easily fooled. (laughs) (laughs) Right. You got to be clever. You got to be creative. Don't come up with with easy excuses. Right. 
Now, uh, the motorcycle does start to take off from the vacuum, but then the maid shuts it off, and he goes shooting out from under the bed and straight into the linens that were laying on the floor. He gets stuck in a pillowcase, and he can't find his way out of it. Uh, he gets stuck in there to the point where they they pick up the sheets and the pillowcases, they put it in the hamper, and basically him and the motorcycle are trapped now. And this is where we find out that um, Ralph belongs to an old group of people uh, you know what i don't want to go there let's go ahead and not not do it i was gonna talk about how ralph chews holes in these white linens <laughs> which i would imagine being, being about the size of eye holes <laughs> we did we did not want to besmirch the name of beverly cleary no no not throwing at all. that in the mix i laughed about it with josh the other night but as i started to say it i'm like no that's not <laughs> everyone can pick up on where i was going <laughs> yeah that's the only joke you need yeah it's let's fine. leave it there no no those are mouse mouse holes <laughs> those are mine <laughs> imagine imagine one of the maids picking up the, the a pillowcase it just as a customer comes out it looks like it's got two eye holes in it oh my god we need to get the hell out of here <laughs> it's a halloween costume yeah yeah i, I, I was doing a ghost <laughs> now bruce <laughs> yeah and bruce listen you're not hanging out with the right people. <laughs> so this reminds me, actually, of a time when, when I was a kid, my, my friend Justin and I, Josh knows who I'm talking about, uh, we had made these superhero costumes. My mom had these old sheets, okay, and I thought they were just old sheets. Later, I found out they were antique sheets, and she was actually pretty pissed off. Now, these sheets were white, and I did not consider anything about this, okay, and I took one sheet and I sewed it to a black ski mask so that it would be like a cape and cowl, like a, a mask with a cape on it. Okay. Sure. And, yeah. and, and then the other one, we sewed it up to look like a, like a coat. Now these weren't in no way that they look like actual like robes or anything like that. They, but we were just making these hero costumes. Right. And we were like 13 or 14 and we actually one night ran around in them outside and then realized how stupid we must look and went back well we stored them at justin's house because my mom kind of made it clear that she's like where the fuck are my sheets at and i'm like i don't know uh, where'd you put them mom <laughs> you know so we kept them at justin's house and then justin's mom found them and she <laughs> was concerned that Justin and I were hanging out with the wrong people. So then we had to explain to her that no, we were trying to make superhero costumes, which actually sounded a lot crazier when we were explaining it to adults than it did when we were making them. <laughs> which, of course, my mom ended up getting informed that her sheets had been cut up and turned into uh these costumes and she was not happy about that but i didn't even consider it when i did that it didn't even make any sense to me but then after his mom said something it was like yeah yeah i could see that i could see why it would look that way <laughs> not a good idea to use white sheets to make anything out of <laughs> i mean in peanuts comic strips all the time you had like charlie brown dressing up as a ghost just a sheet with eye holes cut in it right right whenever it's a popular kind of thing in the in pop culture. Yeah, but. but that's pretty, it's like round and it's just the sheet. This looked like 
an this outfit. This looked more that, yeah, pointy. Yeah. Yeah. No, 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 it didn't. It didn't. Well, no, Justin's mask. You know those. Uh, you know those faceless masks you can get where it looks like it's a hood with uh, the face blacked out. Yes. Okay. He that was uh, part of the one he had, and so <laughs> again, wasn't even considered when we were doing it because we're like, haha, this is fun, blah blah blah. And then we realized that if somebody had seen us running around outside at night, it would have been very easy for them to assume <laughs> we belonged to an organization we did not and would not belong to. <laughs> <laughs> so luckily we grew out of that one and we did not the justice ever... league yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're the good guys what do you mean <laughs> yeah you think you're the good guys <laughs> so sure sure that's what they all say right oh man like even thinking back on it i'm like we were fucking idiots <laughs> that, that, how obvious it was you know when you think about it with hindsight So Ralph is trapped in the linens. Yep, and he bites his way through the linens, and he has to leave the motorcycle behind, unfortunately. There's just no way for him to drag them out of there. Uh, He gets out of the laundry basket and shamefully runs back to his hole. But Keith is gone for the day with his parents, so he can't say anything right away. And uh, he's basically just waiting waiting for Keith to come back at this point because he's afraid to have to tell him. But he knows he's going to have to fess up to it because he's a responsible little mouse. He's le- learning about responsibility and growing up. Yep. you got to be responsible if you're going to ride a motorcycle. So they end up having a family reunion. Uh, Ralph's mother sets it up because all of a sudden they've got all this good food coming into the hole, and they don't want to waste it and not share with the rest of the family. This leads to some of the younger mice asking to see... The motorcycle and wanting to play on it. And of course, that's just digging more into Ralph's conscience because he he's lost the motorcycle at this point. And not not only that, like his family is so happy that they've got a room service arrangement for a couple days now. And uh, he doesn't know how long that's going to go if uh, if and when Keith finds out about the motorcycle. Oh, for sure. It's an extra little pressure on him. And to add insult to injury, uh, not meaningfully adding an insult to the injury, but uh, Keith has a gift for Ralph, and it is half a ping pong ball that he has taken the time to carefully make into a crash helmet so Ralph can actually ride the motorcycle safely. I looked up what Thistledown is, and it's a little fluffy down that are that attach to thistle seeds so that they can spread. So it's that really soft... Uh, fuzz so it would be a really good crash helmet for a mouse yeah he lines the inside of the the helmet with thistle down hey so yes and um during the family reunion they we meet a few different characters we we meet his we see the aunt again aunt sissy and we meet uncle lester and old aunt dorothy but what i thought was great was that uh, she did bring up the fact that the uncles were overweight, but she didn't carry on and on and on about the weight. <laughs> hmm. It's as, as if it was just an afterthought. Right. Or just a one-time <laughs> physical description. Yeah, nothing about like a fat rubber ring around their neck or anything like that. <laughs> Bulging <laughs> bellies. Yeah, just said that they asked for seconds. He had a healthy appetite. 
Yeah. <laughs> Again, Beverly Cleary, better person. <laughs> <laughs> right. And I mean, even even with uh, Keith here, he he is upset that Ralph lost the motorcycle and he tells him, you know, maybe you weren't old enough to be trusted with a motorcycle, which hurts Ralph's feelings. But the next day, he brings them, he asks them what they want for room service again. And Keith is like, yeah, I'm, I'm mad, but I'm not so mad that I'm going to not give you the food that we were talking about. The way he said it, it was more like, I'm not mad, I'm disappointed. Right, right. Which and is worse, in my opinion. It's a very right. grown-up thing to say. It makes you feel just like, oh, so small and not worthy of anything. Well, like you've <laughs> and he relates it to a story about about learning a lesson. You know, he's he's saying that Ralph learned a lesson here, and he talks about when he went down a a hill on his bike for the first time when he got a bike that had handbrakes instead of foot brakes, and he wasn't thinking about it. And he went down a hill, and when he got started going too fast, he tried to stop it by using the foot brake on the pedals, and it didn't work, and he ended up crashing his bike. Mm. Fun fact, I had that almost exact experience, except for um, I didn't have any bricks. I was <laughs> I went down this hill at the woodlands when I was probably eight or nine. And I tried to I tried to stop myself and my brakes all of a sudden weren't working. I was pushing backwards. Nothing would stop. <laughs> Nothing would stop me. I had to I had to crash pretty hard <laughs> so I wouldn't go into the lake. <laughs> Josh, I'm glad you survived, but that fact doesn't sound very fun to me. It no. Nope. Well, <laughs> I guess it wouldn't be a fun fact. It's more of a horrifying thing that happened in my life. But a I traumatizing lived experience. I lived through it, and it's okay because yeah. I lived through it, and I'm I'm I don't know if I'm better for it, but it happened. I learned not to go down a uh, a hill with a bike without brakes. So that's a lesson I learned. Mm -hmm. But then I did it again in in Mackinac Island. So I guess I didn't really learn anything, did I? <laughs> you rode a bike with no brakes again? Yeah. My bike didn't have brakes for like three years. I don't know why, but <laughs> I think it was because I wanted to do sweet BMX tricks with it. But we just turned the brakes off and didn't install handbrakes like you're supposed to. Yeah, you know, you're supposed to put a gyro on it or something of the na that nature so that you can spin the handlebars around, but a lot of kids will just take their brakes off, which is not the best idea because you're more likely to get into an injury situation, but at the same time, I can relate because I I know that my family couldn't afford to buy me a gyro for my BMX because they were like $130. It's a special kind of head where the handlebars connect to the frame. That oh, allows, then I definitely didn't have that. Yeah, yeah. It allows you to spin the handlebars with without uh, the cables for the brakes tying up. Ah, I see. It was, it was the one thing I wanted for most of my childhood was that thing, and no one ever got me one no matter how much I asked for it. Do you have one now that you're a grown-ass adult? I don't, man. They're fucking expensive. I ain't buying one of those. <laughs> I still have- You're a grown-ass adult with a family. <laughs> I still have that same BMX bike. It's a Mongoose Super Goose out in the garage. And I have not, I've thought about it though. I did, I, I did, I will say that when I got it out and cleaned it all up and everything and I was riding it around, I was like, I wonder how much a gyro is. And I looked it up and they're like 80 to $100. I'm like, ah, it's fucking expensive, man. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it seems like they've come down in price at least. Well, and I'm also 37, and if I tried to spin the handlebars on that bike, I'm pretty sure that I would break my neck. 
So <laughs> at this age, I actually wear elbow pads, knee pads, and a helmet. And I never wore any of that stuff when I was a kid. Oh, sure. But yeah, uh, Keith's reaction to uh, to Ralph losing the motorcycle seems to be more more like a, a healthy, mature uh, anger response uh, tempered with, with empathy. Uh, so it's... Uh, while he's while he's upset and he's disappointed, he does uh, come back from it pretty quickly. And Ralph and he are still friends. Yep. And it's at this point that he actually talks about wanting to grow up. And without, I think, realizing that that is a grown-up thing to do. Something that even a lot of grown-ups won't do. Right. Why are you guys looking at me? <laughs> <laughs> Can you feel the stares through the microphone? You know, you know what you did. Because you won't let go of us. You won't let go of us going back on a mulligan for that fucking ninja book. <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted to bring up the fact I'm like Keith. You don't want to grow up. It's not as great as you think. You have to pay bills and stuff. It's not fun. But we all felt that, didn't we? I mean, when you were a kid, you had to grow up because it meant freedom. And then you grow up and you realize it doesn't mean freedom. It means it means everything but freedom, really. You're you're <laughs> yeah. you are means... locked into bills. You're locked into responsibility. Mm -hmm. You know, we talk about life and we're like, oh, everybody's oh, I want to go live my life. Well, you do you really get to live your life? No, you have to find this job and you can't be anything without this job. And then you live your mm -hmm. life for this job. And then by the time you're old enough to fucking stop working, you're too old to do any of the stuff that is living life. Yeah, being a grown-up fucking sucks. I wish I would have paid more attention when I was a child to how great it was to be a child. Yep. It, this is true. Yeah, absolutely. But there are, there, there are moments where you have that, that freedom. Like you have all your responsibilities squared away. You get like a little bit of free time. Like I had a little bit of time today to, to stop for a drink and an ice cream sandwich. And I'm like, yeah, I got no – right now I, I don't have my kid with me. I'm on my own until until recording the podcast. Life is pretty good right now. Right. And that can be nice. I mean, there are definitely benefits to being an adult, but I believe at this point that it is less free than when you're a kid. You have these rules from your parents, but at the same time, I mean, at least when we were kids, I was gone most of the time. The only thing I didn't have is money to do what I wanted. And I think that's more what you're looking for when you're a kid. If you could be a kid with the freedom you have, plus have money to do stuff that you wanted to do. <laughs> and the ability to drive a vehicle to get places. Yeah, yeah. Then it would be perfect. Ain't no stopping us. Nope. But at this point now, uh, the maids are on to the fact that there are mice in the hotel. For sure, there are holes chewed in the linens. And now things are going to get turned up a notch for the mice. I mean, we don't really see any measures that they take in the book, right? As far as I can recall from the movie, like you see some more mouse traps or poison traps set out. I don't know, Josh, you've watched the movie, but was it's, there a cat? It's, it's a quick shot of uh, different types of traps right. that they put down. So it's like, it, it's it's not a montage because montages are long, but it's, you know, a quick, real quick shot of diff just different types of mice traps and putting down poison and stuff like that. Just basically showing what they're doing to okay. to try to stop them. Because I don't think there's really anything Ralph comes across for the whole remainder of this book. Like the family just kind of lies low and that's it. Well, and I think that's the idea. No, I think they actually mentioned that they start, they're setting out traps and they just need to lie low and not let the traps 
get triggered and they'll forget about them. They they mention yeah, traps. They talk about lying low, but yep. Ralph doesn't come across any. No, he doesn't. He doesn't in his in his voyage. No, nope. later Be- on because this this same night, uh, Keith comes back to the hotel and he is clearly ill. He has a raging fever and uh, he just isn't feeling very good at all. You know, I think did it playing with mice. Playing with mice. Yeah, I think. Yeah, yeah. I mean, isn't that <laughs> the question to ask here? He's been playing with mice. Is he washing his hands and stuff? <laughs> you know, mouse has been sitting its dirty butt on a motorcycle and then he's playing with the motorcycle going down and eating dinner. I mean, hmm, <laughs> you know, <laughs> coincidence. Right. Maybe not. <laughs> Sticking his finger in mouse holes and yep, <laughs> not washing his hands. Right. So he brings them some peanuts, but he he's pretty down and out. He goes to sleep, and uh, later he calls for his mom. His mom comes in. She feels his forehead, and he's definitely got a raging fever. And she wants to get him some aspirin, but turns out dad took the last aspirin on his way to the hotel because he was driving into the sun and had a headache, and they just forgot to buy more. This is a conundrum caused by the time period they're in because they can't call anybody because the switchboards are down for the night. Uh, There's no places that are open late at night around Uh, like the uh, the front desk doesn't have any. They don't have like vending machines of whatever. I had a I had a question here because the mice mentioned that the hotel is packed. Wouldn't you think that if a child that has a raging fever, if they could maybe ask one of the other people staying at the hotel, I'm sure that a person, even though it's late, they wouldn't be upset because you woke them up because a child is sick. That seems like a logical thing. Yeah, I would, I would maybe knock on my neighbor's door. Sorry to bother you, but uh, my, kid is, my kid's got a fever and we don't have any aspirin. Can you spare any? Do you have any? As simple as that. Right. Don't right. leave it up to the mice in the, yeah. in the hotel. <laughs> maybe that guy with the dog has it. However, I will say that if you if you knocked on my door and I had aspirin, I'd say no. And then as soon as you left, I'd take two aspirin just to spite you. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's why you're yeah. not Keith. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Keith. I, the only time he perks up when he's sick is when he finds out he's going to be. He can still help the mice. He's yep. like, I can help you, and that gives him a little bit of energy. Which is nice. Yeah, because Ralph actually has a plan here. He knows that at one point or another, his dad uh, picked up some aspirin somewhere, put it in his cheek pouches, and ended up dying from it. Um, He doesn't exactly know how he'll get the aspirin back because his family is freaking out. They're like, oh, no, you can't carry it in your cheek pouches, and you can't exactly carry it and run at the same time and everything. Plus, he's got the stairs to deal with. But he does start searching the rooms to look for a piece of aspirin. And I believe, I don't think they mention it here as being it, but in the movie, they definitely make it clear that the reason that there are are aspirin anywhere in the hotel where he could possibly find it is because they're using aspirin as a mouse poison. They, Mm. They leave it out for the mice so that the mice will eat it and die. Um, so he ends up searching the upstairs and he goes in all the rooms except for the one where the dog lives or is staying. And he ends up in the room at the end of the hall and boom, he gets caught in a glass, uh, a drinking glass by a teacher. These two lady teachers are sharing a hotel room and, uh, one wakes the other up. It's Betty and, uh, 
Betty and Mary Sue, was it? Generic, yeah. generic yeah. ladies name from yeah. the 60s, super, number two. Super generic names. So they, uh, <laughs> they, they talk about possibly keeping him and taking him. Mary Lou, Mary Lou. Mary Lou, is that you? <laughs> they end up keep, yeah they talk about keeping them they talk about taking them back because they'd like to show them to the classes and all this but then they decide that they've got too much traveling to do beforehand so they're not gonna they're not gonna do that they slip a postcard under the glass to catch them and they drop them out the window onto the vines that are climbing up the uh, side of the hotel, uh, which is actually beneficial for Ralph because he's able to climb down them to get into the ground floor. However, it was a harrowing experience because he could hear an owl nearby. Does he wind up having a close call with with the owl in the movie? Because it's like the danger is out there in the book, but he doesn't really come across any owls. But I seem to remember like he gets almost attacked by an owl. It swoops down at him. Okay, yeah. okay. In, the, in the movie, they add that little right. dramatic part. Yeah, because later on in the book, he's kind of recounting this to his cousins, and he embellishes the danger <laughs> from the owls, Yeah, but he doesn't really have any, any run-ins with them. The window on the first floor is open for him to get in there, and when he gets in, it's a room with a few college guys sleeping, and lo and behold, under the dresser, he happens to find an aspirin. Yay! Yep. So he he rolls it out. He rolls it down to the ashtray on the first floor that's near the elevator, and because he can't get it up the stairs. He tries getting it up the stairs, but there's no way for him to get himself and the aspirin up the stairs. But he actually has an idea at this point. And that idea is going to require Keith to do one last favor for him, and hopefully he's got the strength to do it. So once he gets up to Keith's room, he lets him know, hey, I found some aspirin. I can get it up here, but I'm going to need you to let me borrow the ambulance and... No, the sports car. He goes oh, the for sports the faster car. Yeah, vehicle yeah, first. Yeah, he did. He went for the sports <laughs> car first. And Keith is like, no, you already lost the motorcycle. He's like, well, let me borrow the ambulance then. And uh, he just needs Keith to open the door up for him a little bit for, so he can get out. To me, that makes more sense using the ambulance. It is for a medical emergency. Right, right. So to me, it makes more sense that you would use the ambulance. For sure. Yeah, but you got to you gotta look stylish and cool when you're doing an errand of mercy. Right. <laughs> which is uh, Ralph's first inclination. He ends up using the dog in the room down the hall to his advantage because he remembered that when he was riding the motorcycle a couple nights ago, uh, it woke the dog up and immediately the owner took the dog outside to go for a walk. And so he uses it to, he wakes the dog up by driving around by the door and then he drives in and hides behind the guy as he gets in the elevator so he can get down to the bottom floor with the ambulance where he's able to drive behind the ashtray and load the aspirin tablet into the back of the ambulance. And then he he ends up getting stuck on the way getting back into the elevator, um, but he gives it a little extra wee 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 <laughs> and uh, <laughs> ends up making it in there just in time. Do you think he can back up? Do you think he can re- put it in reverse at all? I wonder. Because that would have made it a lot easier to get over that bump. Probably. Instead of just gunning it, if he would have been able to back up and then you know get you some momentum, I bet in, you that would have worked a lot better. In an in a ambulance, if he had known to go beep, 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 yeah. I'm pretty sure he would have. <laughs> but he didn't know that because I don't think that Keith ever made the, the magic sound. word to make it go is wee, yeah. wee, wee. Though at that time, I wouldn't, wouldn't the ambulance sound like the Echo 1, though? 
So it's it wouldn't sound like we. I think that Keith sets the sounds. <laughs> I think that Keith is the one who sets the magic to the sounds. Keith gets. To oh, decide. that yep. makes sense. Yep. I like that theory. Yeah. I yep. I believe that's a good theory. Keith gives the sound the the magic sounds to Ralph, who can use it. Nice. Yep. Okay. So they end up. Uh, they he ends up getting it back to the room, and he leaves it leaves the aspirin with Keith. And he is a hero in his mouse hole. And he tells the story of everything that happened. And as Andy said, he embellishes a couple parts, but he makes sure to leave out the part about getting trapped under the drinking glass uh, so that his right. mom doesn't freak out. And Ralph's mother was worried that it wasn't an aspirin tablet, but Keith had put it on the bedside table and wouldn't take it until his mother came in and looked at it. And his mother, they were pretty thinking that he was crazy for saying there was suddenly an aspirin tablet. But then they found it and they're like, okay. And it, it worked. It brought his fever down. He was able to go to sleep. And then he got a stomach flu because that pill was <laughs> old and underneath uh, <laughs> a whatever. <laughs> yeah, who knows how long it was under that dresser. But mom, Mama Mouse is happy because technically the aspirin was a tip for all the room service. Yep, a favor returned. So Keith wakes up, he's feeling a lot better, but he still has a little bit of a temperature. So, and they ask him, do you feel like eating any breakfast? And he's like, oh, I can have room service. And they're like, yeah. And he's like, oh, I just, I'm not really that hungry. But then he remembers. And then, so he's, he says very suddenly, oh, uh, orange juice. Oh, and bacon and toast and jelly. So <laughs> he's thinking about his friend and his, his friend's family again. Yep. Keith is Keith's always thinking about other people. He is such he a seems, good kid. Such a good kid. Seems like a good kid for sure. It's no wonder his sounds are magical. Yeah. <laughs> Ralph uh, ends up telling him the story about what happened and still leaves out the part where he gets stuck under the glass. Even with Keith, he won't tell him about that part because I think that was probably the scariest part for him. He leaves out the part of the story that inspired the story. I think that's really funny. <laughs> right. <laughs> He skips the part about the drinking glass, but made it sound as if he had narrowly escaped the horny talons of the owl as he traveled down the vine. Yep. Uh, Matt ends up bringing up the room service, and he also has another little surprise for Keith. He realize he has found the motorcycle, and he returns it. And Keith is pretty happy about this. So is Ralph. He's glad that Keith got his motorcycle back. And as it... Uh, as it ties down to the end of it, uh, they play with the cars and stuff for a little bit, and or Keith plays with the cars and ate some food, and they end up talking before they're getting ready to leave, and Ralph wishes he could keep the motorcycle, but doesn't ask, and eventually Keith- well, They talk about uh, Ralph coming with Keith. Oh, yep, yep. And then he asks if, if he would live in, you know, he told him he could live in a nice, comfortable cage, and Ralph's like, would you want to live in a cage? I mean, it's- it's security, it's safety, but uh, no, Ralph wants the freedom. He wants the excitement and doesn't mind the danger so much anymore, I guess. Right. He's been emboldened by his uh, his first journey to the uh, the first floor and now th is pretty sure he can handle himself. Right. Yeah, he's, he's kind of grown up now and he even says, I'll sure hate to see the motorcycle leave. Oh, and you too, of course, he says to Keith. You know, like Keith. <laughs> Oh, yeah, I'm going to miss you, too, but, yep. oh, that motorcycle. Yep. <laughs> and this is the point where Keith offers to let him keep the motorcycle. And he says, you know, I can I can get allowance. I can buy myself another motorcycle. But first he has to ask his mom. Ask his mom what? Oh, yeah, yeah, Ralph has to ask his mom if he can keep the motorcycle. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> 
So then they're trying to figure out where to keep the motorcycle. And they go through all these different ideas. And then they figure out, at one point he's like, what about that big old clock my ancestor ran up? Because he, he did uh, earlier talk about his uh, ancestor, Hickory Dickory Doc, who yep. lived in the clock, and how he could stand it. Yeah, yeah <laughs> it because so it was loud. so loud. <laughs> so they figure out a, the great, a great place to keep it would be under the television. Because it's uh, just high enough for the motorcycle, but not quite high enough for a vacuum cleaner attachment. Yep. And so he's allowed to keep it as long as he wears his crash helmet every time he rides it. Which he's down with because it makes him feel like a racer to wear the crash helmet. So, you know, Keith is happy because he'll be able to imagine uh, Ralph riding around in the motorcycle. And Ralph is happy because now he has a motorcycle to ride around his hotel. And, and I mean, realistically, at some point, you know, if Matt was smart, he'd get a picture of this mouse riding the motorcycle. And then the mice would be safe because everybody would be coming to the, the hotel to see this mouse riding around on a motorcycle. <laughs> <laughs> you could save the hotel. Yeah. And <laughs> oh man, yeah. Out on this out on the the sign by the road, it'll say some mouse. Yep, some mouse. <laughs> the Mountain View's famous mouse. <laughs> and and that's that's the end of the book. I mean, at the end of the book, Ralph gets the motorcycle. Uh Keith survived the night because he was able to get some aspirin. Lessons were learned. Uh children grew a little bit older. Ralph definitely grew up. Yep, he, Ralph grew up. They mentioned uh, how Keith says, I think mice must grow up faster than little boys because Ralph grew so much in this three-day adventure that he had. That And Keith, you know, to him it was just, you know, he was sick for a day. <laughs> Poor kid. <laughs> I'm not entirely sure how at risk his life was, but he was definitely not feeling so great because of the fever. Well, it was the 60s. They didn't have the medical breakthroughs that we had now. I mean, they used aspirin. At this point, they would use like children's acetaminophen or something like that to try to break it. Also, acetaminophen you can say, but not acetylic acid. <laughs> yes, because I say uh, that a lot more. <laughs> because like Lewis Tully, Josh does not buy tel- Tylenol. He buys acetaminophen. <laughs> I literally do. <laughs> I do too. What's the point in buying a Tylenol when you can buy the cheaper acetaminophen? Right. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't buy Advil or Motrin. I just buy ibuprofen because right. It's the exact same thing. And I mean, I I bought aspirin. I don't think I've ever seen it called acetylsalicylic acid. I can't even say it now. I'm adding psilocin, acetylsalicylic acid, or whatever. Pain reliever. Pain reliever. <laughs> Pain reliever slash fever reducer. I got a fever. In it. <laughs> the only cure is some more cowbell. <laughs> and the only prescription is this pill I found underneath the dresser. <laughs> so, yeah, basically, uh, the book ends with Keith falling asleep uh, with a smile on his face, thinking about Ralph riding around. And Ralph uh, just slows it down and parks it. Because he could wait. He could wait to ride the motorcycle because it was his to keep. Yep. Mm-hmm. And he has further adventures with it in the sequel, uh, Runaway Ralph. Yeah, Runaway Ralph. I'm betting he goes outside in that one. We may have to find out in the future. We may. but Because this was a very solid solid book. Yeah. No, I enjoyed it. Full of it. great, great memories, good, good amount of whimsy, 
solid lessons. It was a really quick read, too. It was. Mm -hmm. I got through it fairly quickly, but as far as for nostalgia purposes, I would say definitely watch the movie. That gave me a lot more of the, the feels than the book did. I'm not sure why. I think it's just because of how 80s-rific it is. <laughs> With all of the stop-motion animation going on, that stuff is kind of fun to see, too. Mm. And the voices. You guys don't remember the voices. Trust me, you do not remember the voices. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. <laughs> I'm definitely going to watch it. I didn't realize it was on Amazon Prime. Well, we should all watch it before our the talk, our next talk episode. Yeah, we'll for sure. Yeah. It's gonna. This is not the last you've heard of Ralph S. Mouse. <laughs> what is it like an hour long movie? Forty five minutes, I think. Forty five minutes. Forty five yeah. minutes. <laughs> it seemed like it was a TV movie. I think, yeah, as I remember, it, it probably was. I think yeah. So, yeah. So I mean, forty five minutes means that it's it was an hour with commercials. Yeah, most likely. But yeah, it uh, it, it takes place in the sixties, and there are definitely remnants of the era. But the 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 lessons, the characterizations of the of the kids and the the young young mice and everything, it's pretty pretty timeless. Absolutely. So I'd say it holds up pretty well. And it doesn't feature a bunch of people getting riffed on about their features and how <laughs> they're someone's better than other people because of the way f- people look. <laughs> <laughs> and there's no slaves. <laughs> Nobody in this story is really a horrible piece of shit right. either. I mean, the least, uh, I don't know about the least friendly, but the most antagonistic people are still being very realistic. It's just mom doesn't, mom gets freaked out by mice and establishment doesn't want mice running around in their, in their hotel. Right. So it's not like they're evil. They're just dangerous or uh, they kind of, kind of crush the youthful spirit, I suppose. Right. I mean, well, I mean, look at Keith got sick from playing with mice. I, I agree with you. I'm pretty sure that Keith. <laughs> I think that's what did it. I don't, <laughs> he's all of a sudden sick because he's playing with, uh, with mice that are not properly upkept or cleaned and not pets or anything. Well, they did say that he was out in the sun for a long time too. So he, he might've got a little bit of. A yep. heat stroke or something like that. You don't well. get you don't get a fever from being out in the sun. Yeah, you can. No. Yes. Uh, heat no. stroke will cause you to have a fever. Was it the, uh... elevates your body temperature, which gives you a fever. <laughs> this is the 1960s. The The sun wasn't as bad back then. <laughs> the sun wasn't powerful <laughs> enough to give you heat stroke in the 60s. Come on. Everybody knows the sun is hotter in 2020. Yes, the sun isn't necessarily hotter, but we're definitely getting more of it. <laughs> All the greenhouse gases are keeping the uh, the UV inside the atmosphere, and exactly. it's definitely more dangerous to be out in the sun these days. Yeah, but no, I don't think it was because of the sun. I think I think he got a fever. I agree with Andy. I think he got a fever because he's playing with a dirty ass mouse. This isn't like a little white <laughs> mouse that you buy from the pet store, and even then, you should wash your hands. <laughs> Nobody's cleaning the the mouse turds out of their knot hole. Yeah. <laughs> These mice live in their shit. So, yeah, good story. Good story. Yep. <laughs> yep, I agree. It was enjoyable. Definitely one I'll share with my kids. Mm-hmm. If, uh, if my son ever uh, gets off of the Captain Underpants and Diary of a Wimpy Kid kick <laughs> and wants to read something else, I'll definitely bring this up to him. All right, fellas. So, what do we got lined up? What do we got in the tube? Well, this... Uh, I started calling uh, calling them chapters of our podcast because we kind of go in segments of four books and a choose your own adventure. So is that kind of a uh, I'm do I'm something we're going to run with? Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
I like that. This chapter of the podcast is uh, we're making all about women authors. And even though they don't necessarily give us like the female perspective to their characters, like this book was about a little boy and a male uh, child mouse, whatever, it's still coming from the perspective of a woman. So the next, the next book, though, uh, is more geared towards... Uh, the young ladies out there, because we are going to be breaking into the Babysitter's Club series. And at this point of of chapter one, we were going into Goosebumps, so we're going to keep up the kind of spooky, going to keep that spooky thing going and reading The Ghost at Dawn's House. So we get kind of the best of both worlds next week on Reliterated. I'm excited about this. You know, I never thought of it when I was a kid, but we really should have read Babysitter's Club books. We might have been able to understand girls better. (laughs) (laughs) It's probably true. (laughs) Yeah. When we were kids, it was like the boys and girls were brought up differently. I mean, it's... It's kind of dying away now. Uh, there's definitely more of a, you know, girls and boys can do whatever they want <laughs> kind of thing as far as gender norms go, whatever. Uh, McDonald's still asks you if you want toys for boys, for a boy or a girl with their Happy Meals. And that that's that kind of pisses me off because right now the boys' toys are Star Wars and the girls' toys are Disney, like Disney princesses or whatever. But I definitely would not do not agree with keeping Star Wars for boys or Disney for girls or whatever. They right. should be allowed to have whatever the fuck they want. Well, and that's where I was going to say, like, yes, I would think that in the circles you run in, there are definitely people being loud right now about how boys and girls should be able to do whatever they want. But, you know, I mean, most people that I run into, I think that's one of the because that's my belief, too. I think boys and girls should be able to do whatever they want. If a girl wants to do boy stuff or a boy wants to do girly stuff, whatever. It's just why are we why are we gendering all these things? Right. But Mm -hmm. back when we were growing up, we would have been taunted, teased endlessly if we were if we read Babysitter's Club books. For sure. Or if a girl was was playing doing boy stuff, she's a tomboy and this and that. And it was always given like a a negative connotation, you know. Mm -hmm. So I think not so negative as as boys boys doing girl stuff. Boys doing girl stuff is definitely it's way more acceptable to be a tomboy than uh, than a girl or than a boy wearing a dress. It still had a negative connotation in the fact that nobody like nobody expected that girl to meet anybody or anything like they would definitely get this feeling like you're not fitting into the mold of society at some point. Everybody expected girls to switch from tomboy to girl stuff. I mean, when they're young. Yeah, it was always a phase that they grew out of. Yeah, you're going to grow out of this tomboy phase. You're going to become a girly girl, and that's just how it goes. And so. Like Fern. Yeah, like Fern. Like Fern was expected to to grow out of her playing with farm animals or whatever. Right. And become that child bearer. (laughs) And start getting into boys and stuff. I I, I mean, we still are going to encounter. I I would say that, though, you know, the country is kind of like in half about ideals in some ways. I would say that it's more like, you know, there's like a 75, 60 or 75 percent that still think like, no, it's a girl. It's a boy. This is what you do with them. That's how it goes. And that's why places like McDonald's still have the girl or boy toy, because it's 
the majority of people are still saying, no, 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 no. I, I'm fine with that. Do whatever you want. But my little girl, my little boy, don't tell me how to do it. You know, and so, mm-hmm. you know, what we hear is going to be, you know, kind of your bubble. You think that, hey, things are really changing. But yeah, no, I have no problem with it. I know that uh, Clark is really into trolls and he loves Princess Poppy and he has Princess Poppy toys. And by no way do I get him Princess Poppy toys and think, oh no, I wonder, I worry, I, you know, no, I get him Princess <laughs> like, what Poppy toys. What the fuck toys. is to worry about? Yeah. And I'm still in fear of physical danger from that kid. So, I mean, you know, it has nothing to do with that. He, he loves, <laughs> he loves trolls. He is still a rough and tumble yeah. little dude. Yeah. But he loves Princess Poppy and he should be allowed to have it, you know? No, I don't That's see cool. I don't see any reason why I should be like, oh no, you can't have Princess Poppy. What are people gonna think? I <laughs> it's more like, yes, Clark, yes, whatever yeah. you need. <laughs> but <laughs> just I, don't hurt me. I just give a shit what people think. I, I I do not care. Like, think what you will, come talk to me if you got a problem with it. But you know Right. It's like, I don't care what people think, but I do care that they're going to think the wrong thing. Right. And attack, attack my boy for doing something they don't like. Oh, trust me. There is one very large issue that many people believe it is true and they try to tell everybody it's true. And I can tell you that no one has yet approached my children and tried to tell them that this thing is true without my permission. But the moment someone does, they are going to meet an old version of me that they will not ever want to speak with again. Because I don't think you should be telling Mm. little kids things like that. So... You know, I and but I know that'll happen someday. I know that someday people will tell them or I've heard people say to to Bruce before, you know, oh, you shouldn't do that. That's a girl thing. And I'm like, no, that's no, you know, and mm-hmm. people tend to leave it alone after you say something to him. But I don't care what <laughs> someone thinks about me and I don't want him to to feel like he needs to care. Well, you guess know? what, asshole? It's a boy doing it. Yeah, so. it's a boy doing it. So back the fuck off. <laughs> so. Yeah, it's interesting times that we live in, transitional. Yeah, always seems to be incremental progress. Yep. Very incremental. But anyways, we're doing our part, I guess. I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> we are. <laughs> we're trying. We are. At we're, any rate, we're, we're reading Babysitter's Club for next week. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We are going yeah, to <laughs> fumble our way through progress. <laughs> Noah's going to tell us we can't. This is our show, goddammit. Yeah. <laughs> and read along with us if you like. Pick up a copy of The Babysitter's Club, The Ghost at Dawn's House. I started um, ordering my books from thriftbooks.com, finding them pretty cheap, and you know they get there within a, a few days. We're not sponsored by thriftbooks.com by any means, but just saying, if you're looking for like a physical copy of books, I've been able to find whatever I'm looking for at thriftbooks.com. If I say it one more time, maybe we get a sponsorship. <laughs> maybe. Thriftbooks.com. And when you're at <laughs> Thriftbooks, send them an email. If, if you're looking at thriftbooks.com, why not do it with a cup of soup? <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Because cup of soup is delicious. You just add hot water and you got a cup of soup. A soup. <laughs> I mean, if we're, just throw, if we're just throwing it out there... um. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest thing to eat while reading. Uh, even though uh, they may stick to your fingers a little bit, uh, you can use it to turn the page. So Reese's peanut butter cups, best thing to eat while reading. Please sponsor uh, us, somebody. <laughs> and whatever you're looking for, you can also find on Amazon.com. They've got the deepest pockets ever. <laughs> 
Well, all right. Anyways, yeah, unfortunately, uh, I've, I've been I've been using my library, and it's it has gone almost all digital now. So I don't have mm. a physical library card, but everything that we've read, I've been able to get at the library. Your library so. ain't sponsoring yes. us. Ain't no library sponsoring us. Shut the fuck up. No, we're sponsoring hey. the library. Yo, use your local library. I'm all for being a patron of your local library. <laughs> My mom works for a library. <laughs> My mom is a librarian. Go to your library, use their resources. It you won't you won't be disappointed. They're, it's hey, they use your tax dollars. So I agree. Libra- right there. Libraries are good. I'm just saying this was this was a sponsorship boom. <laughs> <laughs> They're always out there working towards child literacy, getting getting kids reading and everything, making sure that resources are available for the enlightenment of the human race. Yeah, Pizza Hut can't do it all. Pizza Hut can't do it all. Does Pizza Hut and still do it all? That's a book it. I don't That's think they do have the book reference. it anymore. Hmm. Right. I think they do. I'm pretty sure they still have book it. Really? I'm oh, almost positive. Anyways, we'll look into that. Yeah. We'll bing it. <laughs> but we'll bing it. Don't worry. We'll bing it. Yeah, bing we'll it. Bing it. Bing.com. <laughs> 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 so, let's bring this episode to a close before we step on any corporate toes any, right. any harder <laughs> thank you for listening to reliterated we are the chocolate milk friends if you enjoyed the show please share it with your friends and subscribe to us on spotify apple podcasts podcast addict podbean google podcasts or any podcast app that pulls from these sources and give us reviews give us ratings uh, let the world know how much you enjoy listening to us give us some stars if we be friends Speaking of the world, special shout out to our international listeners. Yeah, we are able to see some statistics on our uh, our hosting platform, and we have some listeners. We have one in Argentina, one in Poland, one in Austria. I don't know if you're just Americans using VPNs or if you're actually in those places, but hola. Um, uh, other hello, hellos. Hello. <laughs> hello in other languages. Pol- Polish hello. <laughs> I, I am a stupid American. <laughs> Thank you for listening. Who doesn't know every language. Yeah. Until next time, give a shit, read some lit. Thanks, everyone. Have a great night. Or whatever time of the day it is for you. A fix. <laughs>